can't believe this. I just can't believe this. Wow, amazing. You can play YYZ. First of all, it's YYZ. And second of all, no, I can't get it. Buckle up! Nobody exists on purpose. Nobody belongs anywhere. Everybody's gonna die. Come watch TV. Oh, no, I'm not gonna make a scene. Guess I'll do what I always do when I run out of booze. Try to take over the world. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This is Alex and Macon Take on the World. My name is Alex Melendez, and I'm sitting across from a handsome man with a beard wearing a black shirt, and his name is... Getting real specific. Macon Hutchison. Well, yeah, if I describe you every time, you know, mm. I need to come up with new things. And Just rubbing his belly. portly chunk of meat sitting over here. A.K.A. the Flesh Daddy. The Flesh Daddy. <laughs> the Flesh Daddy. Thank you, Henry Making Zabrowski. the Flesh Daddy Hutchison! <laughs> and then you come out with your know, boxing gloves and stuff on. Right. Just... Except, like, I'm fat, so it's just, like, two sandwiches. <laughs> It was a fight sponsored by Subway. You right, know? obviously. Just no kitty touching involved. No. No. Except with fists. Does that mean you've beaten children? Yes. <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it does. Said from a father himself. <laughs> hey, he man, doesn't hit his children. A man can dream, can he? <laughs> I mean, back, like, what? And then, what was it, like the 70s? They had um, Archie Bunker with the Y I O T A. Yeah, the like, Y I O T A. Uh, yeah. You know he would beat his oh, wife, yeah, but definitely. But the no. hinted at wife beatings. Also, men are garbage, and that's just you know, some of us are trying to get better. Yeah, so a that's lot what of we us are garbage. That's why we close ourselves off in a room and talk to each other because that right. does. Well, and all of you listening. Well, yeah, all like three of you because we're really into the psychological pain versus <laughs> versus the physical. Anyway, uh, so we are starting off a new month. And this month, I'm pretty excited about, it, is going to be piracy. Ahoy! Ahoy! Uh, so we're going to, we're going to be talking about mainly the, well, not mainly, we're going to be talking about specifically the Caribbean pirates. Or and, Caribbean. Uh, Caribbean, however you say that. You say, you say, you say Caribbean? Caribbean. Yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I know, but that was the movie, and I said well, Caribbean. I know, but up that's and- just like what's, you know, stuck in my head now. See, and then I think Caribbean, and then I'm like, well. I don't actually know. Anyway, <laughs> semantics, which I do love to argue, but now is not the time. Uh, this, this is Pirate Month. What time okay. otherwise right, is well, it to argue well, Caribbean? We need to be swashbuckling then. Uh, I mean, I got which a... I'm down. I got you a know? mace. You got... I'm, I mean, I'm sure you have Nerf toys. Uh, yeah, guns. Ooh, that's what we should do for the Patreon. Have a fucking... Nerf war? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I'm in. But like pirate ones, so we have a cutlass and like yeah. close range and stuff. They make like little pirate-looking... That's what we should LARP. Guns. We should make a pirate LARP. I'm Fuck sure it's a medieval. thing. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's a thing. Probably near a coastal region. But also, we should do that. Funny and off-topic, uh, well, sort of... I once went to, like, the first festival I ever went to was the Rainbow Gathering. Yeah, and I was, like, that's an intense I know, one. Like, 12, 13, maybe. 14, Jesus. maybe. Something, somewhere around there. For those of you who don't know, Rainbow Gathering is where a bunch of hippies go out into the woods. They get rid of their money, and they just exchange favors. Yeah. You're not allowed to bring money. you nope, got to bring shit to trade. It's part of Babylon if you have, like, there's money or currency. There's different camps. Or time. Right. So it was, like, the Jewish camp, which was really cool. Uh... 
I went to a wedding. I was just there. I was dope. Uh, their fire pit was like a, I don't know, four foot by four foot star of David that they carved like three feet down into the ground. Yeah. Uh, and we would just go haul firewood for this dude, me and this guy Tank. Uh, I Tank? Got, yeah, it was, that was his name. And uh, one day we were hauling firewood. Like, he would normally give us, you know, whatever weed or whatever shit we did. Yeah. Uh, and one day we were hauling for him, and we came back, and there was a bunch of people gathered around, and we are like, what the fuck? And, like, this old, like, quintessential fat rabbi dude just was like, come on, <laughs> come over here. He was the dude that we'd been hauling for. Uh, he was like, come on over here and just be a part of this. And we were just in this Jewish wedding, and when it got to the part where, like, they normally pass around wine, he brought out this super ornate bubbler. There's just like a big bubble and then like the tiniest little like uh little stem on it. It was just yeah. super long, probably like a foot long. And they passed that around instead of the wine for communion. That's awesome. So everybody Anyway, I was t- I told that story to get to this story. Uh first time that I ever did Oh shit, opium was <laughs> sitting at the rainbow gathering in the middle of the forest and they had constructed like a full-sized pirate ship in the middle of the woods. Damn. And so we're So just... were you like 12 or 13 the time you smoked opium? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ, dude. And they were doing like, you know, performances and whatever up on top. I saw some ladies sing on top of a pirate ship while I smoked opium. I will say it's impressive the way that uh, you lived your life. It's starting really early. Oh, yeah. I started... Pretty much everything just and then have calmed down now. I mean, you haven't died, right? You haven't come close to dying. I did it the right way, (laughs) yeah. Just go hard as fuck early and then sort of taper off, yeah. But a lot of people, I feel like going hard as fuck at like 12 or 12 years old. No, that's like you gotta be, you gotta be the the chaff. That's like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) why would you want to be the chaff? Why would you want to be the wheat? Um, it's like a um. Almost Kurt Kurbane, Kurt Kurbane, Kurt, Kurt Cobain. Oh, Kurt Kurbane. Kurt Kurbane, you know, the Canadian uh, grunge rock singer. Caribbean. I'm not getting on you. I was just asking the difference because I honestly don't know. All right. Well, so Alex is already, oh, there's a crack in this glass. Uh, Alex has already gone ahead and taken a couple sips of this, but today we're going to be looking at Flesh and Blood IPA brewed by Dogfish Head. Um,. Kind of just, I don't know, the dogfish had a shark on it. Made me think of think of pirates. And then, I don't know, kind of fruity, like the tropics. Uh, so, and so we have a new wonderfully soft blanket on our recording space. That is oh, nice yeah. Burgundy. Yeah, uh, that it's the sexual. Color of the can really goes well with. Yeah, that's true. Also, the uh, beer, when poured out into a glass, yeah. it also has a good, really good tint to it. Yeah, nice, nice red red tones to like it. reddish amber right you know, uh, like- so anyway, I'm going to read uh, what they have to say about it crafting delicious beer doesn't start with ingredients it starts with exploration back in the 90s our constant need to experiment with culinary ingredients was considered heresy by some but it was the passion and the constant trial and error that led to pure alchemy and we began brewing with real fruit pulled from our brew pub kitchen Made with sweet apricots, Aprihop blazed the trail. Oh, that was the name of a different beer. Aprihop. I thought that was a fruit for a second. I was like, what the fuck? Aprihop. Aprihop. Aprihop blazed the trail as one of the first fruit-infused IPAs. That ongoing journey continues today with flesh and blood IPA. 
We could save time and money by brewing with fruit extracts, but for us, authenticity counts. And we say we brew with real fruit, we mean it. Brewed with mouth-puckering lemon fresh, lemon flesh, excuse me, uh, sweet orange peel and blood orange juice. Flesh and blood balances the resinous, hoppy characteristics of an American IPA with the explosive, zesty fruitiness and subtle, drying tartness of citrus to deliver a high quality or high, oh Jesus, highly quaffable <laughs> ale that's incredibly that smell unique it. and lovely down the whole year round. I'm pretty sure quaffing is smelling. Yeah, I think I think you're yeah. right. So okay, so my question to you, since you know more about cooking and things like that, um, with when they said the lemon flesh, is that like the the fruit part of the fruit, or is I would assume not the skin? Uh, I think that the flesh is like the. And meat I could part? be wrong about this. It's either the meat or it's the rind after you've zested it. But I think it might be the the meat. Yeah, well, yeah, because that's, I mean, I would assume because, like, flesh color stuff is, like, inside your actual right. skin. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's the the fruit. But then when you're talking about flesh with a fruit, you know, that's a little technical. Right. A little erotic, if you ask me. Very erotic. The flesh. I'm sorry, flesh. your flesh is exposed. I'm sorry, your flesh is exposed. Uh, so that's our beer. Let's give her a fucking... What do you think? I've already had a couple sips of it, so I I actually like it. It's pretty refreshing. Not super IPA. No, it's really not. I'm not, as we know. Did you um, happen to get the bitterness units, the IBUs? Oh, I'm sure that I still can. All right, so the ABV is 7.5. Nice. The IBU is 45. Hey, that's real low for right. a 7.5. If you were to pair it with a cheese, you would want to go aged cheddar. Okay. Food pairing, jerk chicken, ceviche, pineapple upside down cake. Mm, I can see the jerk chicken ceviche. I'm really not into shrimp. Shrimp. They're, they're, they're the cockroaches of the sea. <laughs> but uh, also, I mean, what was the last one? Cheesecake? No, a uh, fucking pineapple upside, upside down, down yeah, cake. Pineapple upside down cake. Yeah. I also don't drink beer and eat cake at yeah the same that time. seems like a weird thing to do. it's always weird how they like pair it with a sweet thing at the end yeah i mean i guess i get it especially with it being a uh <laughs> excuse me with it being a fruity brew brew good though definitely taste the fruit just hear the satisfaction on his mouth when he goes <laughs> yeah sawyer did that when he was younger he picked that up i assume from me so you're being your son, right? Yes. Every yes. time he For would those... take a drink, he would go. Ah. <laughs> it's pretty fucking hilarious. Yeah, he uh, will probably annoy someone later in life. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Especially like like um, any time where he's at work and there's a deadline or someone's getting crushed, and they just hear <laughs> him go, ah. like, God damn it! I can't believe he drinks so loud. <gasps> I do it at work still to this day. <laughs> Nice. Uh, all right. So uh, I got the definition of piracy and privateering, and we'll go over that first just to kind of give an overall description of what that is. Piracy is an act of robbery or criminal violence by ship or boat-borne attackers with the goal of stealing shit. 
And this is, we're specifically talking about maritime piracy. Yeah. Uh, there's many other types We're not of talking piracy. about copyright infringement and things right. like that. Other, other. We're talking about motherfuckers being on a ship, attacking someone else oh, with yeah. something on a ship. Swashbuckling fucking badasses. And it's... then privateering uses similar methods as the pirates, but under the direct order of the state. So what I would like to say is that uh, privateering is piracy with the law behind you. So like cops. Yeah. You know, cops are like sovereign citizens and that shit. Let's not get into that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just I like mean, probably they have – it's it's one of those things like just in any time or I guess any religion where they have like the hammer of God or sword of God, like they have like um, justification on their side. Yeah, based basically on their you ideals. had to go get a privateering license. Yeah. And if you had the license, then you could just legally be a pirate. You yeah. had to hit certain people. And if you pirated too much, you could just go back and get a queen's pardon. And right. Then, like, you're a privateer. And right. Da -da -da -da, privateer. It's just like, uh, I'd like to say the difference between cults and religion. It's really just time. So some of the, uh, the earliest pirates were 258 A.D. Oh, yeah? Uh, that's some of the earliest pirates that I could find. And they were, I believe, like Greek pirates. Oh, yeah, I'm sure any right. uh, civilization that had waterways or anything like that. Yeah, basically, the, the one quote I took was like, piracy has been around for as long as currency has gone over the ocean. Yeah, as long as you're able, as long as you're able to capture someone else doing something that's valuable to oh, you, yeah. like, that's piracy at its core, you know? So, when we're talking about, um, you know, piracy that we're talking about is usually in the Caribbean or Caribbean. Either, well, either we're talking way. about specifically the Caribbean uh, piracy. There's piracy, like right. big sex of piracy in a lot yeah. of places. Big sexy piracy. Big sexy piracy. So, um, okay, so uh, Spanish Maine was the colonization of um, uh, South America. And during that time, the Spaniards released livestock into South America. Well, so let's start with Columbus landed over here, and then the Pope. Yeah, but they landed at the same time. Or similar times. Because they both landed in 1492. Now, Columbus hit first. In 1492. As... Right, no. So he, But he lands in 1492. And in, then... In like Williamsburg and in stuff. In 1493, the Pope... Uh... I have 1493. Yeah, I know. Spanish we talked about it, remember? And then in the documentary, they said a year later, oh. the Pope and Spain worked out a deal that basically gave Spain half of the world. It gave oh. them... Uh, both North America and South Well, America. let's not forget Amerigo Vespucci, who actually found America first, like way back in the 1400s versus 1700s, because America is not called Christopher Columbus. Uh, right. It's called America, and that's from America Ves um, uh, Amerigo Vespucci, who was an Italian sailor who found it, and they like, kind of came down from Canada and shit. And I'm not going to lie, I... Uh... I'm terrible at history. So this is fun. It's a nice little history lesson here. Oh, that's all we're going to learn here in history. Right. That's all we're all going to learn as a huge family, our listeners and us. <laughs> uh, so anyway, basically, uh, the Pope got with Spain, worked out a deal that gave Spain half the world, um, and the Caribbean was a good port. There wasn't any treasure there, but it was a good little stopping spot before they went to other places. And so they could like refuel and, and refood, not refuel because they're 
sailboats, but like well, refuel the, the refuel being rum, right? Rum. Let's not lie, it's rum. Uh, anyway, it's booze and a couple of vegetables, maybe a chicken. The Spanish left a bunch of livestock, a bunch of cattle, a bunch of pigs, and the cattle and the pigs just fucking flourished. Yeah, they just kind of abandoned them. Abandoned them. Abandoned them. They kind of abandoned them. Abandoned them at that point. And the pigs and cows just flourished. They, I mean, they did so fuck well with like the tropical pigs islands. And cows. Yeah, I mean, fuck it. Who doesn't want to live their life like that? Right. They've reproduced enough to overtake islands. So. Right. Uh, I mean, have you ever seen the, uh, the like, so there's an island in Cuba that's just like overrun by pigs. And when you go into it by boat, it's just like fucking like a horde of pigs or a, like yeah, not a battalion. Yeah, hippos there now. In Cuba? Yeah, because of... Uh, it's getting too warm. What the fuck's his name? Cocaine guy. Uh, Pablo Escobar? Pablo Escobar, that's the one. Yes, he brought hippos down, and then when he fell, they got out and reproduced, and now there's hippos in Cuba. Oh, man. Didn't they handle salt water? Do you know, or are they fresh water? I'm not 100%. Honestly, I don't know. Because the, if they uh, start the making of hippos, if, if they start making, well, I'm pretty sure that they're fresh water. If assume. they start making saltwater hippos, that's a force to fucking be reckoned with. Yeah, because hippos are those things can bite through a car. Yeah, no, they're like the one of the most deadly animals on the planet. And it looks shit. so good in Disney movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyway, we had a lot of people come over to these islands, and let they, so they learned. The the term buccaneer is an Anglo-Saxon term, but it was originally buccaneer, basically the same thing. But So they learned from the local tribes how to dry meat and essentially make beef jerky. Yeah, they or did. Or well, meat jerky. Uh, mm-hmm. And they learned from the tribe that, I can't remember the name, it was the Bucanese, I believe. So I have uh, you sort of bu- bucans and then bucanes and then like buccaneers kind of came yep, third. Yep, yep, yep. So that that was kind of how that. Went. And uh, it literally translates bucaniers translates into uh, jerky makers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so these dudes would sell their their wares to passer buying ships. And, you know, sometimes they'd, they'd take a ship. That was how they came up on the hustle. Because, like, when we're talking about the uh, Italian mafia and, you know, the previous episodes, so, like, it's like a shoe shine boy. You know, yeah. the dude does shoe shining, gets a couple bucks in his pocket, you know, gains a little credential and things like that. The buccaneers or bucaniers or whatever, when the French were people who would make jerky, and jerky, like, lasts a long time from ship. You know, voyage to ship right. voyage. Right, you pretty much you needed know. it if you yeah. wanted to have meat. And it holds sea. itself for so long. And then plus, like at that point, even also, when they were raised... just a lot more murdery about it. And yeah. that's something since we're talking about the mafia. Like they, it was less like you had to come up and do your shit. It was just like, hey, me and my group well, of thugs are going to take your ship and murder all of you. Yeah, but they weren't even that smooth because it was like, hey, me and my group. We can do something to you. And then, like, there's this dude just raging on fucking rum. Like, <laughs> and yeah. he just comes around and starts cutting people. And they're like, all right, guess we got to close you down. Right. This is my port now. This uh, is Nassau. And so this is something I had a note on later. But basically the main way that pirates got uh, recruited was they'd go to take a ship. And then, you know, before they did whatever they were going to do with all the people, they'd be like, well, who wants to be a pirate? Better shit, better yeah. rum. 
They would they would like they would literally poach the the um the, the staff. It's a crew, sir. We're talking about boats here. Oh yeah. You fucking bring that staff talk in. So they would literally recruit the crew or recruit. Ooh. I don't, <laughs> I don't think they <laughs> <have> <laughs> there, but okay. Yeah, I know. Well fuck it. It works now. So either way, they would just like they'd point guns at a motherfucker and just say, like, hey, you trying to join us or what? Right. And if you don't, point, we're gonna we're gonna murder you. You're so. gonna die if you don't say yes. Like, all right, cool. You know, I wasn't really into that, you know. It's just like <laughs> if uh, if someone came by the restaurant. They're right. like, yo, I'll blow your brains out. Do you make vegetables for me? And I was like, well, I never really liked it in that first place. So <laughs> who cares? What's vegetables I'm sorting? Uh, so they did this for a while, and this kind of carried on. And then they took Hispaniola. Hispaniola? I can... I, Hispaniola. God-awful at spelling. Well, it's like Hispan and then Yola, not Yolo. Yola. But Yola. Uh, anyway, so they that, that kind of became their main port. Uh, well, this is kind of all building. Britain's like, hey, these motherfuckers are over there just stealing all our shit and like making tons of money. Oh, yeah. So uh, I don't remember the guy's name. Oliver Cromwell. Oliver Cromwell. And so, so in 1654, Oliver Cromwell... A.K.A. the protector from England. No, but it was literally the protector of England. So he led a crew of 18 warships, 20 transport vessels, you know, to transport like goods and things like that, and a crew of 3,000 men. So they were making a 4,000-mile journey. 4,000-mile. 4,000-mile journey from Portsmouth, England to... uh, Oh, Hispaniola. Hispaniola. Yeah, yes. There you go. <laughs> we'll get it together between the two of us. I know we will. We kind of, uh, we had a meeting and a bunch of shit today, so we didn't get to do the most thorough research. Yeah, and we both also, when we were taking our notes, we just took turns of like, like, you know, I like the more technical or technical right. or date things. Uh, so I just wrote down all the dates and then you got like the flavor text. And stuff. Right. Uh, so in 1654, uh, Christmas Eve, this armada is set out to attack Hispaniola, but they ended up crashing, uh, what was it, like 700 miles away or something? Maybe not that far. I do not have that information. All right, well, they ended up crashing not where they wanted to go. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, who wouldn't want to crash where they don't want to go? Right, and they ended up having to, <coughs> excuse me, traipse through a bunch of jungly bullshit uh, which gave the Spanish time to gear up. And fuck is this where they went around fool. back? No. Ah. No. Uh, that is Captain Morgan, maybe? Henry Morgan. Yep. Uh, so anyway, they try this, and the Spanish just fucking crushed them. They were just ready and knew the area and just obliterated them. Yeah. And so what was left retreated... And regrouped. Well, because at that point, the, the Spaniards had been there for a couple of days already. So they had time to, like, really, like, set I mean, more in. More than anchor. a couple days. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was that long, was it? I mean, yeah, they were set up. This is why he was setting them. He was why he set the Armada loose, because they were, like, setting up. Yeah, but they I thought they had, like, like four days or something. No, they'd been there for a little. I mean, they, since, for like, from the time of wreck to the time of invasion. I think was something like that. Oh, okay. Well, I was just thinking of the time of invasion, but like 
pretty like setting up for the town invasion. I thought they only had like four days, but I'm probably wrong. They might have just from the time that they actually crashed until the time they invaded. Uh, okay. I'm talking about they were just set up in well, general. No, I'm talking about the Spanish crash and invaded. Not crash and invaded, it was but the crash that crashed. Oh, uh, okay. It was so the Spanish th- that were lying in wait. Yeah, so they had, yeah, they were obviously there first. Yeah, no, and they were there and they were fairly, you know, getting established. So, yeah, I wonder how much time. I wonder if it was like Vietnam and stuff. <laughs> if they could have had Born on the Bayou playing. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, they're musketeering people. Anyway, in their retreat, they uh, the remaining British force uh, regrouped and decided to take Jamaica, which at the time was... There wasn't really a lot on it. There wasn't a lot to be farmed. But it was kind of just like out of the way enough that they set up, you know, a British territory. Yeah, it's like a, it was very heavy trade route status. Right. You know, because they had no like real natural resources. They were just there on the right place in the right passage. Yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of bottlenecking shit that were people mm-hmm. had to come through there. Uh, so as, after they land and they take Jamaica, they enlist the help of the local buccaneers to help raid the Spanish people. At this point, so we're talking about England. 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 England fighting whom or who? Spain. Spain. And so Brits this is over the Spain Jamaican right uh over the Jamaican lands. So when just they just over the whole Caribbean. Right. And so when they settled it, they got Port Royal. Yeah. So at that point the crown hired the buccaneers to fight Spanish to fight the Spanish armadas and everything like that. So like when they hired the buccaneers cuz at first they were, you know, quote unquote pirates. But they had had a long storied history with working with the crown at certain points, so they hired them at that point because it was cheaper to hire the buccaneers and let them, you know, not rape and pillage, but let them destroy something and salvage the goods from. Well, yeah, basically they would like they were pirate hitmen, as it yeah. were. Yeah, and it was across the fucking ocean, you know, across the Atlantic Ocean. Right, like, that takes a long time to send a message. It was so like it's four easier. months. Yeah, it's easier just to hire somebody and say like, hey, you're good to go. Do whatever you want. Make sure it's in the queen's name and you're good. We won't check you for like four months. Right, because... and that ties back into you having to get the license. Yeah. Like yeah. you had to get the, the privateering license. license. Right. You had to get the privateering license. Yeah. Uh, so thus leads us to Henry Six- Morgan. 1662. But... Henry Morgan became captain. Yep. Uh and he becomes captain. He has a lot of success. Ends up with what is it? A, like a four man fleet, or I mean, a four ship fleet, commanding over five hundred people. I think in the documentary they said like five hundred and fifty, five hundred and thirty, something like that. Uh, and this is where they snuck up. They attacked Portobello, which yeah. was. Had like three forts. It was just a fucking monster of a of a place to attack. It was a uh, trade station or whatever. It's where they had all the fucking money. Yeah, basically. So uh, one thing that I'd like to say about Henry Morgan is that when he became captain, he got a letter of mark, which allowed him to essentially go out privateering. Which is what the privateering license is yeah. called. Yeah, and then he got the privateering license, and so he went out and did that, and then as he "Quote unquote," privateered other ships, meaning stole the fuck out of them right. and killed people. As he as he became more powerful, 
then uh, he was essentially like becoming one of the first echelons of pirates and stuff because pirates went from privateers who were like sanctioned by the government to just people killing. Kind of right. like Blackwater does. Yeah. Yeah, well. Uh, so anyway, they, M- Morgan. Also, one more thing. His privateering license were forged a bunch of times. Yeah, it was a bunch of sketchy shit. Yeah, it was just real always, questionable. He most of the time had paperwork that said that he was clear, and sometimes it was fake, sometimes it wasn't. Uh, but anyway, so he get he has some he has some success. He ends up running a little fleet. He's got over five hundred people in his command, and he decides to take Portobello, which is you know super fortified. It's a fortified castle on a like uh, on a sound. So there's a sound. So it kind of like you know the. The grand go the ground goes up, and then also they it's like one of the castles in America are like fortresses, right? Where they actually have like stones and shit protecting yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a fucking. If yeah. you've ever played Assassin's Creed, oh yeah, you know exactly what uh, black flag. black flag. You know exactly what we're talking about. Those Which big is ass dope. Forts. Yeah, it is dope. I'm probably gonna go back and play that after all this pirate research. I know, but you should still play Sea of Thieves. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, give it one time. Uh, Let's so give him a sloop. Is, this place is impenetrable from the sea, essentially. So Morgan gets the idea. He sails all the way around the island and sneaks in from the other side that they weren't expecting through, I guess, a bunch of dense jungle uh, and gets the drops on them. Yeah, so at this time he goes completely behind them. So they're expecting a a, a full frontal assault on the front of their base. So they're all geared up and ready to go to shoot, you know, people. Because otherwise it's just a thicket of fucking jungle. Like, right. just mad jungle. No reason for anyone to be there. Especially to get 500 people through it. Yeah, so what Henry Morgan did was he walked around, not walked around, but sailed around the backside and then just marched his troops up the hill and then down the hill into the backside of their horribly defended base. Because, like, all the cannons were one way, all the musketeers were one way. No one's fucking expecting a hit from the backside. Right, and you gotta remember, this is the time that those fucking cannons were, like, on four wheels. They were very uh, unwieldy and hard to move. Yeah, and they weren't four wheels that could move left and right. They were just, like, sliding it in and out. wooden wheels and shit. Like a dick. Like a dick. Like a dick. Uh, Oh, like a dick. One of the things I thought that was cool about the siege is... The clay pot grenades. Yeah, the fire pots. Yeah, it was just black powder in a clay pot that would explode and send fucking clay shrapnel everywhere. And yeah. And murk people. Uh, they were one of my favorite, like, medieval things. There's the, uh, like, the oil pots of, like, like damn near flaming oil where they just pour like, it down into the little... Uh, napalm one or, like, junior. Yeah, like, napalm point seven. And they just pour it down in people, and they're like, "Oh my God, I'm on fire!" But then also when they like threw the clay maybe pots, a little more dramatic than that. <laughs> but uh, with the clay pots, you could fucking throw those bitches. Yeah, and like I feel like that's the first um, like Dungeons and Dragons or wizarding thing. Right. Just like, ha ha, fire, fire like clay pot, fireball. Hadouken. I hope they yelled Nate out. Just <laughs> chucked him. Uh, so anyway, Henry Morgan was outnumbered six to one, 
And because of the drop and because of the fact that his men were so good at murder, which is another thing you'll that sort of stands out through all of this, is throughout all of this conflict and like the various wars with people, like these guys got real fucking good at what they did. Oh, like David Bowie. Yes. Like David Bowie. Just made everyone the last feel real, real pirate. <laughs> I think he'd be into it, man. Uh, so anyway, they're outnumbered six to one, but they still managed to fucking get the W, which is just a huge blow to the ego of Spain because Spain was like at this point like, ain't nobody taking my shit. Yeah, because these it was guys like, showed up and just fucking yeah, took that shit. Would you say it was like six to one or something? Yeah, six. To yeah, one. like, and six to one is like a hundred plus to like, you know. The the bottom side of that six ratio. I mean, yeah, he had attacked with over five hundred, or well, with five hundred and fifty men. So five hundred and fifty times six. I'm not good at math. <laughs> I also am not good at math. So whatever that is, write in and tell us the answer. Absolutely, and then we'll say it next uh, next episode. And because we're still going to be pirate stuff, so we'll say it next episode, and then do our. Uh, Buccaneers hat off to you, I guess. Right. Trifold hat, you know. Uh, so this is a huge blow to Spain, and then we kind of go into his tactics, Mister Fucking Captain Morgan's tactics. He was all about torture. Yeah, and so before the, we, you want to, are we getting to the thing? Well, before we get into that, we're gonna take a little break. Signing off. <laughs> also, you take tighter notes than I do. Yeah, I should spread out, and my handwriting is garbage. <laughs> I thought you just meant like, yo, those notes are tight as fuck, dog. <laughs> you know you I would never tight. say something stupid like that. Uh, so anyway, we're back and fucking ready for action, ready to talk about the nuts-ass torture that this motherfucker used. So we're in the middle of talking about buccaneers or the buccaneers or whatever the fuck. The French wanted to call them first, but they're called the Buccaneers now for goddamn American culture. Well, and I think just a lot of the world uses Buccaneers now, right? I don't know. Well, I mean... It was Anglo-Saxonized, which means them whites. So then we had to worry about God and stuff. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, one of Henry Morgan's favorite tortures, I guess, was that he would... Ah, this is terrible. It is fucking terrible. Uh, He would, as they were raiding cities, as they were raiding houses and whatever, trying to find valuables, he would take the man of the family and string them up to the roof by their balls. Oh, shit. I shouldn't kick the... He shouldn't kick the table. Shouldn't kick Uh, the table like that. And then they would lift them by their nuts until their nuts ripped off, and then they would fall back down onto the table... And then they would stab them a bunch of times. Yeah. Which I feel like... Really shitty way to go. <laughs> really <laughs> shitty. If you get your dick and balls ripped off, like, you're done. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would have bled out eventually, but they stabbed you also. Insult to injury. I mean, I guess we'll also, like, get it over with. Just kill me. Right. Because if I was strung up by my dick and balls... Yeah, but, like, even with... with being stabbed it's not like they shot him and put him down like you're still alive through you know a few of them stabbing well yeah a couple stabs through the chest especially a well-placed one right through like the left breastplate and into the heart yeah but they weren't going for they weren't going for quick 
It was probably a lot of gut stabbing. <laughs> I bet. Just fucking your monsters, monsters, and uh, not in a good way. Just actual yeah, and that's just a thing world. that pirates have been so romanticized that nobody really thinks about the fucked up shit that they I did. mean, Blackbeard was a romantic. Henry yeah. Morgan was not. No. Captain Morgan was a fucking monster. And we, saw, we didn't really talk about how Henry Morgan came into the the picture. We sort of glossed over that. And he came over with that uh, British invasion force. He was well-connected. I, I think both of his uncles were generals for different uh, British yeah. armies. He had two different British. uncles. Yeah. He had two different uncles that were generals. And in 1668... Morgan or Captain Morgan became an admiral of the Buccaneers. Right. So he was essentially in charge of the pirates who were legal. Right. And he was the fucking he was the goddamn warlord over the legal pirates. Right. So they would you know they would torture rich and nobody's gonna be like oh well I'm gonna continue to hide my goods after seeing what you just did to. Joe Blow McNo Nuts now. Oh yeah, definitely McNo Nuts, especially if he hoisted him up. Hoisted. If he hoisted the mainsail. Hoisted. And he essentially just he hung his dick in balls as if they were dying separately and they were an emo kid just getting rid of this world. He fucking hung the shit out of his dick and balls. Which yeah. is a terrible way to go out, especially because you're not gonna die afterwards. Right. You're still gonna be through a little bit. Oh, it's gonna suck. And then you're going to get stabbed. So after this, Captain Morgan uh, and his crew, and this is, I think, my favorite part about pirates, uh, and as we were just talking on our cigarette breaks, I think we're going to do Vikings next month, but sort of the difference between Vikings and pirates, as far as I know, is like the Vikings were all about to conquer, you know, and continue to conquer and like build lands, yeah. whereas the pirates were just like, we're going to fuck your shit up and then go get real drunk. Yeah. I mean, essentially, like, all they did, not to say all they did, but most of what they did was to steal money or valuables, pull them back, and then get drunk more right. and celebrate. And it was just a, I mean, you've been there, I've been there through that <laughs> whole party aspect, you know. This is why we think we would be, would you think we would be a mafia member or a pirate first? Which one? A mafia member. Because the pirates, they were overrun with scurvy and, like, herpes. And also living on a pirate ship for months on end was not pleasant. Yeah, but when you came in, you got to throw it down hard. Yeah, but, I mean, the mobsters, they threw it down. But they were, you know, a little bit... If you'd ask a younger Macon, it would have been pirates for sure. See, that's, I think, where the difference between us is. You'd rather be in the mafia. I'd rather be with the pirates. Well, you have fun with that scurvy. I got these lemons. You have fun with that lead poisoning based on bullets. Well, you know. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, after this, Henry Morgan is, you know, super fucking confident. Like, everybody knows his name. Like, he's he's the big shit on campus. Yeah. Uh, and he decides to go raid Panama. Pause real quick. Um, would you like to cover the alcohol now that we've come back in? Absolutely, sure. So let's go ahead and do it, do it, to it. What do you think? This is one of the most drinkable IPAs I've ever drank. And yeah. that's mostly because I don't like that super bitter IPA taste, and I feel like the fruit cuts a lot of that uh, bitterness. Right. So in total, out of, in total, out of all the IPAs that we've had, how do you think this ranks within the IPAs that we've had? Absolutely and also, the best. Yeah? 
Yeah. I don't know. Was Bat Squatch an IPA? Bat Squatch was. Are you it was sure? a hazy IPA. It was a hazy IPA. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. Bat Squatch was delicious. Well, how much is like the can labeling just being a lot cooler? Like, well, and I just bass- remember it tasting really good, and I was pretty fucking all about it. But no, I would, I would, I would buy and drink this out of a scale of ten over all beers, uh, probably seven or eight. Seven or eight. I'd go Maybe with the more eight, eight side. Or nine. I would say I would at least go with the eight side, just because of the fact that um, I've already consumed two of them. Which yep. I usually don't drink them faster than you, you can do. Tell, you can tell by the slurriness. No, nah, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Well, and no. also I'm doing a lot of the talk in this episode. And it, we sort of switch to whoever's talking is the one not drinking as much. So at that point, we just need to have... Uh, um, well, I keep hitting my microphone with my yeah, headphones. Yep, yep, yep. So, well, I'll edit practice. that out. Yeah, somebody slipped alcohol into my booze. But either way... We'll just point a sword at each other and be like, hey, <laughs> do this. Ten paces, bud. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he gets the idea to attack Panama. At this point, he's got Panama! a fleet of 36 ships and 2,000 men. Whoop, whoop. We have 36 ships. We got 2,000 <laughs> You said men. whoop, whoop, because you I like said, ICP. Whoop, whoop. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, you well, know, like the walkie-talkie noise. Of the, you know, whoop, whoop. Oh, yeah. it was the chirp. Yeah, That's it wasn't whoop was. whoop for ICP. It was not whoop whoop for yeah. ICP. So he Dark says. Dark days. Dark days in a, in a man's life. Well, we're just on the fucking a carnival Jehovah's in the sky. Juggalo. <laughs> oh, so you mean a Jehovah-lo? A Jehovah-lo? Or a Jugahova? Nice. Uh, so anyway, they land a ways away from Panama. They take a, a, a nine-day march to that whole fucking grip of people. Um, and then in 1671... They take Panama and basically hold it for ransom. Or, well, no, excuse me. They take Panama, and as they're taking Panama, pretty much everybody that knew they were coming was dipping. Um, and the ship Las An- wow, good God, Las Antism Trinidad, excuse oh, me for my butchering of pronunciation, uh, slips away with most of the wealth of the city. Oh, La Santisma. La Santisma. La Santisma Trinidad. La Santisma Trinidad. Takes away with pretty much all the fucking treasure from the town. I mean, there's some left, obviously. You can't get anything or can't get everything. Um, And so a lot of people, a lot of the pirates with him got pissed off at Captain Morgan because they thought he was taking more than his fair share and squirreling it away somewhere. Um, and that's part of where the buried treasure moniker yeah. comes in. I don't Which know if apparently, word, right? like, but... there's never ever been any buried treasure that was yeah, ever tre- found. Treasure maps are just, they're fiction. Yeah. That's but it's a fun, up. it's a fun thing to think it about. It is. It's definitely fun, especially as a kid. Yeah. Oh, man. You just you would make stupid treasure maps. That's so you got to imagine that they made X marks the spot like for fun and shit. Because right. if that's like if there's never a treasure map that was ever true, because they wouldn't bury their treasure. Right, because that would be stupid. What else do I have to hold on to? Right. Why would you? And and so a point that the documentary made was why would 
all of the crew just be cool with the captain like going out and burying the treasure. Yeah. Because what the fuck's in that for Well, them? because especially the captain wouldn't bury the treasure. Right. It'd be the crew. Well, it, that was what they were saying on the, that's the whole mythos is that the captain would, they would take all the treasure, gather it up in a box, give it to the captain, and then the captain would go bury it. Oh, I've played the would, video games. I know. Right. And then they would give it later. Uh, but it's far more likely. Because you've got to pay and, your people. Right. Pretty much. What happened is, as soon as the gold was on the ship, as soon as they were away from combat, they divvied that shit up. Yeah, and especially because, like, as a as a crew like that, you know, long story short, everyone was out for themselves. But you it know, was a demo- work- well, That's not hold true. Hold on, demo- hold the line. Oh hell! They would be like they'd be out for the team in general, but also they'd make sure that they get paid first. Oh yeah. Get paid during that time because otherwise, like, there's Shit, no I'm still real a reason. Like that. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no real reason if you don't get paid as well. Like, there's no reason for you to fucking like raise a flag and do something for someone else. Right. Especially if you get don't get paid like, for you know, respect what you do. Pay for it. Yeah. Because people will take advantage. Uh, so anyway, after this, Captain Morgan basically retired and just fucking chilled. Well, he died of natural causes essentially in uh, 1688. Captain Morgan. Uh, oh, well, excuse me. Before that, he was made governor of Jamaica. By, yeah. He was, he was called back by the crown, uh, basically pardoned for any piracy, knighted, and then made governor of Jamaica. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, other than that, other than recruiting him on your team, like, what else you got? Right. That's way the fuck away from your home base. Like, that's a lot of stuff to cover and attack. Yeah, but that was that was the name of the game right now. It's just these these islands were so yeah, rich. He was with the most fucking... mon- well, whoever makes the most money, like why not hire that person? Well, he was already working. He was already working for the crown. That's what being a private. That's why he wasn't a pirate per, per se. Quote unquote. Right. Quote unquote. Quote unquote. He was a privateer, and so that's why he was. They were just like, yeah, you are boy. <laughs> you can have Jamaica. Uh, so after that, we go into 12 years of war, uh, which started... Holland and England were on one team, France and Spain were on the other team. So it was 12 years of war between the trade routes in that whole area, you know, because all those countries are not there. So it was just ships coming over and then people fighting over the different waterways and shit. Right. The money. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, thus starts the Queen Anne's War, which started in 1701 uh, and was just fucking 12 years of fighting. It's like what we talked about earlier with just these guys got good at it. Yeah. Like t- spending 12 years at war as a pirate, like the guys that made it were good at what they did. Yeah, especially because they just came in and ran and fought people. Like they stormed it. They were really quick at um, like they were quick at attacking, and so especially during that time, it was like during colonialism. So they had the whole like ready muskets, fire, and then they would fire the muskets, and they would do like this really structured sort of combat. Yeah, it made it almost automatic. Yeah, and they were like the pirates were hitting like guerrilla style, just coming up through the brush and just slicing. And that that down. definitely uh, showed its place with Captain Morgan. Like that was a thing that. He did, especially when he was attacking, uh, not Panama, but Portobello. Panama! Like, yeah. he, they had him outgunned, but he not only had the element of surprise, he also had the tactic to where it would be like, 
people were constantly firing. Like one team would fire and then they would reload while another team fired and they just kept going to the point where like the musketeers who had them heavily outgunned couldn't even look over the ramparts or they were getting rocked. So are we talking about the big battle there where they had the uh, the musketeers versus the cannon guns and they like made their way? This was the... the I'm, I'm going back to the raid of Portobello with Captain Morgan. Oh, okay. Uh, just to, Just to kind of bring that... This brings us to 1713, uh, the Treaty of Utrecht, which essentially put uh, an end to the war and put all of those privateers, you know, that were just literally paid to be pirates out of yeah. work. They were out of business because there was no more war. And, like, if anyone knows, war makes money, you know, that can continue down a vicious cycle a bunch. So at this same time, once there was no more war between, you know, England, Holland, French, Spain, once there was no more war for the countries overall, the the, the pirates or our privateers... They're still, still privateers at this, at point, this point. The privateers had no way to make money because they made money off war and protecting warships or protecting, like, cargo transports, right. and this, things like that. This did open up one of the hottest fucking times for trade that the world's ever seen. Oh, yeah. Like, there were... Those four countries were making money hand over fist. Yeah. And they were... the. This was when sugar was just, like, the bee's knees. Yeah. And so it would be like the sugar would go to England, the weapons would go uh, to somewhere so, else, and then they would take slaves from Africa and send them was, here and then disperse them out. It was the sugar would come from the Americas to England, England would take the sugar and trans, or like uh, they would switch it out for weapons. Weapons would go to South or like South Africa or to Africa, and then in exchange for the weapons, the Americans would get slaves. Uh, so another thing, like, uh, and again, oh, I can't stress that enough. Like, the people being put out of work are like the killers. Like they're hardened combat vets. These dudes have been fighting for fucking 12 years and they've done very well with their fighting right absolutely like they haven't died which means they're doing really well at fighting so everybody is super fucking not happy right now and then in 1715 11 spanish galleons going with a buku amount of dollars and i think i saw you write down the amount of dollars that they yeah had. so the uh the spanish galleons had seven million seven million silver coins so on July 24th, 1715, 11 Spanish galleons carrying treasure that was enough for it was multiple bars of gold, multiple jewels, and they had uh, silver coins. They had 7 million silver coins. Freshly minted. Yeah, freshly minted from Spain. And they were traveling from Spain to America in a seven-day voyage Two days in, their fleet hit a hurricane and it started tossing around the fucking ship and, you know, started throwing coins. Well, so yeah, the wreck wrecked the the whole 11 Spanish galleons as far as I saw. Uh, and I mean, we're talking about millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. Especially like... like is, and it, what did they call them? Eight, eight pence? Eight pence or eight bits or something? Eight bits, that's what it was. Yeah. But just like eight million dollars. Yeah. Which is, or I mean, not eight... Uh, just and this is like dollars. this is seven million silver coins, right? In fucking seventeen fifteen. Well, and just tons of With gold seven and million, jewels yeah, and just yeah, fucking yeah. everything. Even all that aside, seventeen million coins today 
would be way more than seventeen million, like in cash. And so, the news of this wreck gets back to all these pissed off privateers, uh, and Spain is basically like, "It's still our fucking gold, whether it's on the ship or not." Uh, this but, gets this gets back to the privateers who are all out of work and desperate and hungry. And you were gonna say, yeah, the privateers before pirates, so they're looking for work, and they hear that there is millions of dollars, millions of cash, money, like gold, whatever you want to call it. There's millions to be made if you just go to this place. If you can make it to this place without dying, right? You get money and like you're paid. It's just the adventure is like gold. Well, it was nugget. also still a fight because, like I said, the Spanish were. They were like, that's ours. Nobody can have it. Yeah, but I mean, how much of this fight, like if you lose all your change in the street and you get knocked out? Well, that's the thing is it's we're talking about, you know, warships. Like there was a lot of fighting over this. Oh, yeah. Um, And thus steps in Henry Jennings. Henry Jennings. He is a privateer. He had 300 privateers underneath his uh, command, especially at the beginning. He's a big fucking boss, and he was in like was it seventeen sixteen? Yeah. So seventeen sixteen, he does the attack on Palma de Ares, which is a coastal port, and they were not they. So they had a lot of Spanish treasure, right? And that's where the Spanish treasure was had because the uh, right. They heard that it was just sitting like super unguarded, right? And, and so they, they were picked like, some treasure up. Get that shit. They picked some treasure up, moved it inland. But they, like, word well, got so out. They tried to take it back to Jamaica. And Jamaica turned them away and essentially said, if you step foot on grounds, like, Britain has told me to shoot your ass. Well, that was after they got it. Like, after the yeah, they, they privateers got the, yeah. and pirates got it. So, yeah, so they had the whole Spanish treasure when it got sank or when it got sunken. And then they got the sunken? Spanish treasure. I don't fucking know, I think man. It's, isn't it sunk? When they got sunk. Why don't you tell us at AM Take on the World at Gmail and we'll push the other things, but also at Instagram, AM Take on the World. So the pirates were outlawed because of the whole Spanish treasury. Like they out like they because where they went well, into they, Jamaica. They were outlawed because the war ended. And that's when the privateering uh stopped being a thing. Because it was a truce. There was no need for privateers anymore. This is when the privateers crossed the line into piracy. And this was like the first big act of fucking like actual unsanctioned piracy. Where they stole all this shit from Spain. And then they tried to bring it back to the English who were in control of Jamaica. And the English were like, no, you broke the treaty. If you step foot on Jamaica's soil, we shoot you. So they backed out and they formed New Providence yeah. and NASA as two Nassau. Nassau. Well, yeah. maybe not like that. I it was not NASA. What well, a, it's N A S S A U. Yeah, I'm so not uh, not like, super great. It's just like Nassau. Anyway, these were completely pirate run uh, providences. They it was were, pirate haven. Right. It was pirate haven. It was pirate base, you know, like if you play freeze tag and you get to like, you know, go to the fucking tree, <laughs> that's how it was. Because it's pirate base because 
everyone that worked there like were supported by pirates. They were supported pirates. Yeah, they like, ran the town. The pirates yeah. ran the town. Yeah. Uh, and so Henry retires to chill, which is a like that's that's the end goal is a fucking Henry pirate. who. Henry, I just fucking said his name, Jennings. And, uh, well, that's sort of the end of Henry Jennings. We're just kind of glossing over that one. Does all this and then retires to just chill and fucking drink on a beach. And then we get into Blackbeard. A.K.A. Edward Teach. And we are going to kind of gloss over this one rather quickly because we're going to do an episode on Blackbeard. Uh, But in... By 1717, there are more than 2,000 pirates in operation. Uh, So it's just a huge boom for pirates. Everybody was like, oh, shit. We can fucking, you know, we can run this shit. Yeah. Uh, Blackbeard himself was a very intimidating man. 6'4". He would have lit fuses in his hair. He really just scared the shit out of everybody. Um, He took his smaller boat... And took a 20-gun... What did they call it? A scoot? Schooner. 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 He took a 20-gun schooner, which at the time was the biggest gun... Or the biggest ship running by, run by a pirate. Uh, and that ship was called Concord. Like, so what he did was he intimidated... The crew of the Concorde, because the crew was right. a, uh, it was a French like French ship with French territories, so he intimidated the shit out of the French, took over the vessel, shot a couple shots because he had like he had muskets and uh, like smaller cannons, and he shot at the ship and fought them. The ship just faltered and like let him take them over. When he took the ship over, he had it fitted for from like less than 20 guns to 40 guns. It was it was from 20 to 40. He yeah. doubled it. Yeah, so and, and that was at that point that was one of the most if not the biggest ship on the ocean. Biggest yeah, ship. so it was the biggest ship run by a pirate, of course. Yeah. But I mean like in comparison the biggest ship not run by a pirate couldn't have been like that much more than 40. It definitely wasn't sixty. So it well, was, this is that's what I'm saying. This well, no, is no, the biggest. Ship. No, I understand. Oh, the it's not the run, ship. not run by a pirate. It's one of the biggest warships ever known in the history of man, because past that there weren't that many ships like bigger than the Queen's and Revenge. Right, and the next step up was a man of war, but they right. had less. But a man of war also had like forty they had cannons. thirty-two cannons. Yeah, but so they, they had... were big fucking cannons. And also, Queen Anne's Revenge had been outfitted for more cannons, right? So they had been modified. So it was like one of the biggest. Essentially, it was one of the biggest, heaviest warships ever known to mankind. Just big bad motherfucker. Yeah. And anyway, uh, and quick to fight. And so, moving back into it. uh the thing about a captain of a pirate ship is, and, and sort of one of the things that's been romanticized and, and kind of made its own, is that the captain wasn't like the all-foreboding chief at the time. Like, right. He, in time of war, you listen to him. He without, was the captain. Right. Without question, during a fight, you listen to this guy. He was the law during a fight. During, But only during a fight. Any other time that you weren't in a fight... It was basically a democracy, and this was such things as, like, where we sail, how we're attacking, 
Like, this was run by the entire crew, not just the captain. Yeah, yeah. It was just definitely, it was voted on by all the crew. It wasn't so much of, like, the captain says this, and this is what happens. Right. It was more like, hey, where do you think we should go? Because, I mean, the motherfuckers are just out in the body. And so this was also, like, you know, one of the only democracies at the time, which is yeah. pretty cool. It's one of the most visceral democracies, too, because, like, the 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 majority had it, and then otherwise, like, that person would die. Right. You know, it wouldn't be like, hey, we all think this thing, and then someone else votes a different way. Like, oh, and, and uh, excuse me, I, I think I said Council of War, but Council of War is what happened when... The crew decided it was essentially a mutiny. Yeah, but it wasn't a mutiny because it wasn't a lot of murder. It was just a it was a democratic yeah. democratic vote. They would if the crew was unhappy, they would convene a council of war in which they would outvote the captain. Yeah, which is like kind of nerdy for pirates because it's a democratic mutiny versus like an actual like, hey, we'll slit your throat and throw you overboard. But it's just like, hey, we think this thing and then also like if you have the other aspect, right. like we can do this, we can do this, like let's all just get back home together. But a lot of morale was into that too. Yeah, that, that was a captain's biggest worry was morale. Making sure his boys were happy. Uh, and so... Blackbeard takes a bunch of ships. Like I said, we're going to get into that deeper uh, in our next Oh, episode. yeah, we're going to get real deep into Blackbeard. Uh, so come 1718, Britain sends out a, a fleet uh, that shows up to NASA and, I believe, uh, New Providence and says the king or the queen at the time, I think it was king, the king will give you a full pardon uh, if you just, you know, stop fucking being a pirate and come back to the side of, of Britain, you get a full pardon or you get death. Uh, Blackbeard, he took four ships, sailed into a port, uh, basically locked down the port, robbed anybody that came in and out, took a bunch of people hostage. So what I have from my uh, research was he had eight ships. Eight ships, okay. Around the port. And he had them essentially like he had them spread along the port of Charleston, South Carolina. And it was like from, you know, every angle, like every like 25 degrees, it'd be another fucking pirate ship. Right. Oh, and they just. They like, just covered everything. Yeah, he fucking had. He crippled that state to its fucking knees. But anyway, we're going to move. Past oh, that, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about Blackstar. that next time. Uh,. Took a bunch of ships, didn't ask for much, asked for medicine. This ties back into what we were talking about. All these motherfuckers have scabies and whatever. Well, let's uh, not get too one much of the, into that. Oh, man. And we're going to uh, we're gonna play a clip from this fantastic gentleman in the documentary. Yeah. Who was just like, what was his name? I think you wrote it down. Uh, he was just the was, most quintessential. His name was Benjamin Cherry. Benjamin Cherry. Benjamin fucking Cherry. You can just look at the man and tell that he does, like, fucking renditions. Oh, he's dick hard for Blackbeard. Re recreations. Like, uh, he's, but, got, he's got long hair, so his hair frames his face. He's got long hair going down. Kind black, of a sparse beard. Black as Like black. a long beard, but it's really sparse. Right. It's not that thick and full. Not Blackbeard style. But he's also a Blackbeard historian, so he gets really into every part of that. Well, let's start with, we got cut off a little bit. We're re-recording this, uh, you know, because we're fucking amateurs. Yeah. 
Well, we didn't have the beeps. Saying re-recording denotes that we actually recorded it the first time. <laughs> right. We went Rehashing? On... We're doing it for the second time right the first time, I guess. Yeah, that. Because we uh, went on a cigarette break and never hit record when we came back in. Because we didn't have the beeps. Making obsessed about these damn beeps. That and so the beeps, the let's talk about it. The beeps let you know that you're beginning to record. It's like when you're doing the movie and they snap the thing and then the guy like counts down. Yeah. And then they like fade off and you start recording. That's what the beeps are. And I need them in my life. See, I took the beeps away so I could secretly record things that we say without it being a whole, hey, we're recording now. You know, because then you're on at that point, and you got to be on. You won't just have a slip of the tongue talking about your butthole. Yeah, or but like when we get better at this and aren't so terrible, then we can take the. Beeps oh, away. so you think months or years in, once you have beeps for that long, you're gonna be able? To, you can't handle not having beeps now. That's because we're not very good at this. You've been complaining about it every episode since we took the beeps out. Well, it's because I liked the beeps. They yeah. really gave me comfort. There's a warm feeling, a fuzzy yeah. feeling. Yeah, you need to get rid of that security blanket okay. and push yourself out of All your comfort right. zone. Let's get into it. So anyway, uh, we were just finishing up Blackbeard, and we are going to talk about him more next episode. We're going to talk about his fall, and it's an epic fall. I'll give you that. Uh, but moving on. We're going to be talking about a duo, the Anne Bonnie Calico Jack duo. But we're going to start with our main lady, Anne Bonnie. Uh, so she was raised super wealthy. She was very attractive. Um, do you have any more going forward? Uh, so she was born possibly in like 1697, around there, you know, a little bit before the 1700s, right before the turn of the century. She was from Ireland, and then in 1700, she moved to London, and then to the province of Carolina when she was about 10 years old. She came from a wealthy family, and, uh, you know, she um, married and moved to Nassau in the Bahamas. Right, and uh, from what I gathered, she she's hung out with a rough crowd. Like, she, she was sort of a tomboy. She was sort of like one of the guys. She was well-respected by the pirate crowd. Yeah. Um, so she would, she would dress as a boy and she would be called Andy or her mother would dress her as a boy and call her Andy. She was tough. She was your typical Tom girl. Oh yeah. She was called Andy. She was called Andy because her father fucked around and impregnated the maid while he was married to his wife, not her mother. And, uh, so they kind of like, you know, at that time it was not a good look to have an illegitimate child. Oh, so she was a bastard? Yeah. Or bastardess. Bastardess. Bastard. <laughs> game recognized game. And uh, so that's how she got the whole Andy name. And then she dressed as a boy. And then they moved her, you know, moved her around. And then eventually she got married to James Bonnie. Right. And I don't have a lot on him because he is an unimportant putz. Well, he James Bonnie was, uh, I believe, a pirate hunter. He um, He was pretty much a snitch. So when they moved to Nassau... He would snitch on pirates for money. Like a bitch. Yeah. And so she was more of the piratey kind of feel and was not down with that. So she, at that point, she had met uh, John Calico Jack Rackham. Jack Rack, Rack, Rack Balls. And uh, so at that point, 
they were really into each other and they wanted to leave together. And however, once James Bonney found out about it, Close he... to James Bond. Yeah, but not He's as cool. He's kind of throwing me off. But James Bonney found out about their little like friendship or interest and whatever. And so he pretty much told on them to the of governor. Course. And at that point... They were going to kick uh, Calico Jack out, I believe. And Calico Jack offered James Bonnie money in exchange for her, like, to be divorced. So he was going to pay for them Did to divorce. No. Like no, he tried to get him cast out, so they were just like, peace. Right. And they left his ass behind. Eloped. Right. I don't know if that they eloped. I don't think they got married. No. They just kind of dipped and uh, were around each other all the time, which, I mean, if you're spending... Months on the water with a chick. That's that might as well be married. You know? Oh yeah, I mean, there's no escape. Yeah, <laughs> unless you're gonna fucking throw yourself over. He probably thought about it well, at least <laughs> once a week, or I mean, once a month. Ooh, watch out now! <laughs> you're uh-huh. being recorded saying this stuff now. <laughs> you can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, but will. I won't. I know you won't, and I'm okay with it. So that brings us to 1719. Their first raid as a pirate couple. This is what introduced Mark Reed, who is will be a very important figure later on in this. So, first raid goes off kind of without a hitch, except for Mark Reed. They take the whole ship, but Mark Reed is the last, basically the last man left, and he's not going down without a fight. He's an excellent swordsman. He's just kind of like showing everybody up and like fucking doing what it is. And uh, a Cal- swashbuckler, a swashbuckler, as a it swash. Is. Uh, so Anne Bonnie and Calico Jack are, as we will talk about, um, one of the way that they recruited new pirates is when they would take a ship, they would be like, okay, who wants to be a pirate? Otherwise, you know, you're going to kill you or throw you overboard. I hope they said it like that. (laughs) Who wants to be a pirate? pirate? Well, so, and that is something about Calico Jack that we'll get into in his episode, is that he was very flamboyant. He liked pretty things. He liked pretty clothes. Yeah, he got the name Calico Jack based on him dressing in calico colors. He was a very frilly man, a very uh, fucking shit, I forgot the word, flamboyant. Um, so anyway, the way that they would get them is ask people if they wanted to be pirates or else, essentially. Um, and when it got down to this, like, Mark has already showed himself to be a fantastic swashbuckler. And they're like, hey, man, like, you want to come join our shit? Um, and to that, Mark says, yeah, fuck yeah, man. Like, I'll join you. Um, and they end up sailing around. And Anne and Mark starting getting real buddy-buddy. And uh, Calico's not a fan of that, so he confronts them. And the the outcome of that, we will talk about the next episode, because it's quite a twist. Oh, it's a saucy little triangle. So, this takes us to our next pirate, Bart Roberts. A.K.A. Black Bart. He was taken a slave. Well, he took a slave or he was taken he as was a slave? He was taken as a slave. Oh, no. Well, so, Bart Roberts, who will be our final episode of the month, 
Bart Roberts is taken as a slave. He proves himself as a good pirate slave. He doesn't drink, which at the time is called a teetotaler, which we thought was pretty funny. So they go on a raid in, I believe, 1719. Um, We'll fact check that one. My notes are kind of sporadic. The year 1719. In 1719, Roberts was made a second mate on the slave ship Princess under Captain Abraham Plum. In earlier June that year, the Princess was anchored at Anambamboa. Anambamboa, which is situated off the Gold Coast of West Africa, which is present-day Ghana, where she was captured by pirates. The pirates were in two vessels, Royal Rover and Royal James, and they were led by a captain named Howell Davis. And Davis, like Roberts, was a Welshman, originally from Pembrokeshire, and Roberts and several other members of the crew, Princess, were forced to join the pirates. Alright, and so that brings us to where we were. He's a teetotaler. They go on a raid in 1719 in which his captain is killed. And all of the pirates, surprisingly enough, turn to him and say, well, you're the captain now. His first act was to go back and avenge his last captain, which was an interesting choice, especially for, you know, pirates who have loose honor or no honor. He hits that without losing a man, which, again, very impressive. Uh, One of the very interesting things about him is he held church on his ship. In 1720, word of his success reaches the Martinique. They hire pirate hunters and vigilantes to go hunt him down. He gets word of this and, like a boss, declares war against the governor of Martinique. At this same time, he made a new flag with a drawing of himself standing on two different skulls, and each skull underneath it has three letters. The right-hand side, or I guess his right foot, our left, if you're looking at the flag, says ABH, and his other foot says AMH. And we will get into what that means on our episode. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Well, we can't give him too much right now. we got to build the mystique. Just wiggle that worm out there. Right. So, at this point, pirates are hunted by four nations. With that, two to three hundred pirates are hung a year. Two to three hundred. That's a good bit of pirates. Yeah, it's a lot of fucking pirate hangings. This was not a great time. It was and wasn't a great time to be a pirate. So, one of Bart's major accomplishments is he took out a man of war. Uh... And a man of war, just as in comparison to his ship, a man of war has 32 cannons at 24 pounds uh, a cannon versus 4 pounds a cannon. And I believe he had uh, 10, maybe, I don't remember. We'll get that number on that episode. But there were 4-pound cannons, and he had 9 swivel cannons, which were like super small uh yeah, they're usually the ones on like the uh, aft and bow or the front and back of the ship, where I guess. Didn't they back have them front. in uh, Sea of Thieves? Didn't mm-hmm. they have those little cannons? Yeah, they're the little cannons in the corners right. of the boat that can get like more of the angled shots. Right. When you're not doing a uh, um, broadside so they, attack. They took this ship by pretending to be a French merchant. Um, 
they pretended to be a French merchant, snuck up on him, and then just jumped and, and got the element of surprise, took their ship, which was pretty awesome because it was pretty rare that a man of war got defeated in this time. Um, so the governor of Martinique happened to be on that man of war, and what happens to him we will talk about. Then they went and essentially the entire crew got fucked up, but he stayed on top, uh, where the Swallow, captained by... His name is Chandelier Ogle. Chandelier Ogle? C-H-A... Oh, that's my old cousin Chandelier Ogle. C-H-A-L-O-N-E-R, or Chandler. Chandler? Chandler. Then... I'll bet it's the original Chandler. Well, Chaloner. C-H-A-L-O-N-E-R. I'm calling him Chandler. Captain uh, Chaloner Ogle. Ogle. Anyway... Ogle. Snuck up on him on a ship called the Swallow while the entire crew was drunk and murdered them all. And that's kind of going to be the end of this episode. Uh, do we need to talk about the beer again? We had it. We had it. And we drank it. And we drank it. And it was good. It was very pirate themed. It was red ale. It was a red ale. I remember enjoying it. I wanted to choose a different one, but... You did choose a different one, and then we drank that while we did our research. Yeah. Uh, and so that kind of concludes our overview of what we're going to talk about in the next three episodes, which we're pretty fucking excited about. Cue the fun intro. Criminal of the Week. All right. And so this week's Criminal of the Week is... A little bit because he's a dumb criminal, but this shows how much of just a general fucking idiot he is. And this is new to me, by the way. I have no information of what we're about to hear. Yeah, since we didn't not record this the first time and didn't not forget the criminal that we Wait, originally had for we the week. Didn't. Oh, no, we didn't. That's a double that negative. That was a double that negative. That means we did. It was just said weird. That means we did. All right, either way. A Hawaiian man convicted of attempted murder and assault wore blackface and gave a racist rant falsely equating himself to a black man during a sentence hearing Monday. The reason why I'm like this is because I prepared myself to play my part in your kangaroo court, treating me like a black man. So today, I'm going to be a black man, Mark Char told Hawaii Circuit Court Judge Todd Holy Edens. fuck. According to a video from Honolulu's CBS affiliate, KGMB, local officials told KITV that Char appeared to have obtained a permanent marker to blacken his face. Jesus. Wearing blackface is a racist practice designed to mock black people that originated during minstrel shows in the 1800s. I did not know that. It wasn't, uh, isn't there some tie into that with Disney? I should know more about that. Probably. I mean, I know Betty Boop was super racist yeah, and I had know tons Betty of Boop blackface. Yeah, super racist. I'm pretty sure that the original Mickey, uh, the gloves were a part of one of those acts. Because like black just, people have big hands? I don't know what the, I don't remember what the origin of it was, but I, it was, that was like part of the whole gift. You're going to get a shut down by Disney. <laughs> I don't want to fuck with Disney. They are big and scary. I mean, they own Star Wars. They own everything. They own yeah. my childhood. Yeah. 
Star Wars, Marvel, Disney movies. They own it all. That's true. The Little Mermaid. That's a Disney movie. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it. They got Goofy underwater. Anyway, before <laughs> his court appearance, Char refused requests from officials at his prison to remove the black marker from his face, according to KITV. Eden sentenced Char to life in prison with the possibility of parole. What did he do, you asked, Macon? While driving on Highway's H1 freeway in 2016, Char attacked another driver and his passenger with pepper spray before stabbing them, severely wounding the driver. Char also assaulted a third person who had tried to intervene in the road rage incident. Well, I don't know why that person was trying to intervene. That seems stupid. In court, Char claimed that the attack was self-defense. He was convicted on three counts of attempted murder and assault earlier this year before being sentenced Monday. Edens told Char that his conduct on Monday continues a pattern of disruptive behavior designed to undermine the administration of justice. What you need to do is look in the mirror. And if you look in the mirror, Mr. Char, you're not going to see a black person, Eden said. You're going to see a menace. You're going to see a menace to society. Which Way I mean, really fucking technically menace to society. It cheesy as hell. I know. And also, menace to society was. Will you stop fucking over talking me when I say menace to no. society? But uh, also, we're going to add a little clip so you can hear him talk about kangaroo court. Because this is not, I mean, it's a brown man. It's not a white man. He's a fucking idiot. That's for goddamn sure. Is he a Hawaiian? But, uh, yeah. Right. I guess if Char. Also, I think my favorite thing to come out of this uh, Ariel being black, which, if you have a problem with that, you're stupid. I'm saying it now. Oh, I uh, thought you meant Ariel, like, from above. No, like the Little Mermaid. Oh, you mean Ariel! Ariel! Uh, my favorite thing is Menace to Society poster with Michael Cena and... Or not Michael Cena, Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill. Their face <laughs> is superimposed over the Menace to Society <laughs> fucking poster is hilarious. All right, well, do you have anything more to say? Next week, we're going to be talking about Blackbeard. Anything else? And then we're going to talk about, what, Calico, Jack Rackham, and Bonnie. We're going to do Blackbeard, then we're going to do Calico and the crew. And Marcus Reed. And we're going to do Mark Reed, sir. Uh, Uh, If I say Marcus, it is Marcus. That's that's not how that works. Uh, Well, we'll find out. And then we're going to go into Black Bart. It should be a fun month. Or Bartholomew. That being said, uh, follow us on our various Instagrams and Facebooks. Cue the dog in the background. Cue the dog. That's how we always end it. Uh, You can follow me at at Macon Hutchison. You can follow him at at Tenderfingers. Yeah. Why do you question it? I've had it for like years, and it's my stage name. I don't know you. Oh, yeah. Who are you even? Um... We are now on iTunes. Please give us a listen. Please give us a rating. Five stars. Talk some shit afterwards. Uh, If you don't like what we're talking about, please give us ideas. Give us input. Uh, You can reach us at A&M or Alex and Macon Take on the World. It's not A&M. This is his first time doing the call to action. It is. It's A&M Take on the World. I think A&M is a clothing brand or something like that. I'm thinking H&M. It should be A and M though. It's not A and M because it should be though. And it's Alex and Macon. Yeah, but it's not Alex in Macon. Macon. It's Alex and Macon. So if anything, it'd be A A M, which it's not because well, it's A stupid. A and M. Oh, that's too many letters. It's too <laughs> much. 
All right, well, so I'm not good at the social meads. Yeah, I tried to do take on the world, but that was taken up on, like, every fucking, you know, every chance. Wait, and then so I, what are we? AM, take on the world. Oh, yes. I know this. I keep up. Yes, he's he's very active on the very pages. Very active. Uh, but, yeah, either way, check us out on iTunes. Give us a rating. Check us out on Spotify, SoundCloud. Like he said, we both have our own Instagram pages, Megan Hutchison, Tenderfingers. Um, Instagram page, AM Take on the World. Look on Facebook, Alex and Macon Take on the World. Pretty much go anywhere and you can just type in AM Take on the World. AM for Alex and Macon. Right. Or if Macon drops off, Alex Melendez takes on the world. It works either way. The fuck you do? <laughs> I will cut you, you piece of shit. Also, make sure you check out the weekly playlist that I put out. I put it out every week on a Tuesday. It's called Tuned In Tuesday. You can check it out on Spotify. It's about an hour every week of new songs. This week, uh, which I guess it'll be... Well, no, it'll still Just be gone by the time you hear this. We don't, we don't have to retro every time. No, no. I'm saying, depending on... I was trying to think of the release date because I don't want to say this week and be a week behind or a week ahead, you know, because we have two in the pocket. But just say this week because it'll be whatever the week that you publish this. But that's not necessarily because I've already published the playlist before I publish this. See, this is why Macon doesn't do social media because he can't even grasp what's (laughs) going on. So don't listen to Macon. But why would you release that? Before you release this, we should release this and then that. Because well, because that it's a lot. Ties of... into this. No, this ties into that. That was way before this was. But we're trying to make that an ending to this. Ah, I'm just trying to promote the music that I pick out every week. Doesn't really have to do too much with the show per se because you don't ever pick out any songs on it. You don't even like the songs on it. That's not true. You don't like Baby Shark, and that's very appropriate. Did for you Pirate put Mom. Baby Shark on our goddamn podcast? No, I didn't put it on the podcast. It's on my playlist. Put on the you tied Baby Shark into this fucking podcast? About pirates? Yeah, you're goddamn right. I put a song. Why do you think it's been playing so much recently? Ah! <laughs> so Macon loves the song Baby that's Shark. news to me, and I'm sorry for any of you that had to listen to it. This shows how much he takes the time show. to be on social media and listen to the playlist and just be a part of it in general. He didn't even know what was going on. God damn it. Macon loves the song Baby Shark because it's an amazing hit Garbage. for the centuries. The beat is alright. Like, I like the overall beat of the song. But there's no substance. Yeah. It's just fucking garbage. They made a house song out of a children's song. How deep do you think it's going to run? But they run? didn't really even change it all that much. They just really went with the original song and added, like, two parts. They added a whole extra song to it. It's not going to get that complex because Baby Shark doesn't take that much effort to play or sing. Because it's the children's songs. They don't make... It's not Bach. There's not, like, that much oh, movement in the song. Either way... Don't listen to what Macon says, because he's not even privy to what's going on. He just sits back and drinks a couple beers and is the flesh daddy. I am the flesh daddy. That is fact. So, either way, make sure you check out Baby Shark on Spotify. We can cut all that out. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to. I'm just going to repeat it What is this episode, like four hours long at this point? All right. So, thank you guys for listening so much. Even if Macon won't thank you, I will, because oh, I'm I way love better you than him. Oh, I very much. 
I'm way more kind and considerate. I think that you're all fantastic, uh, and I really, I really hope that you guys give us some feedback. Uh, that is going to be my final thing out. Please tell us what you guys want to hear. Give us a theme of the month, something you guys want to hear us talk about. Yeah, and make it about Vikings, so that way you can be right. Because <laughs> well, that's what we're doing next month. Give us a theme for the month. Yeah, so it's got to be a theme for the month, not just a one-off episode. Unless you want to suggest a one-off episode, and then we can start working on an idea that we've had to do a little bit of extra content. You know, slap out like a 15-minute episode about something, you know, just to give, just to branch off on extra things that aren't necessarily what we're talking about for the month, that don't necessarily need an hour's to two hours worth of coverage. You know, right. just something fun we can talk about, rant about, riff on, and then, you know, cut that episode and uh, just have it as like extra bonus content. Just a little bit, something extra. Okay. Either way, love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Um, make sure if you're on a boat, you don't fall off. Because the baby shark will get you. Do, 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 do. <laughs> All right. And like we said before, we're going to play a clip of the defendant, Mark Char. Hopefully he can try to explain why he's wearing blackface. I've listened to it before, and it's fucking ridiculous. So try not to get too mad. Enjoy. This is a prime example of the habitual corruption and conspiracy within the Keith Conisher and Catherine Kealoha's prosecutor's office and Judge Todd W. Eddins' kangaroo court. I was not given a fair trial as stated in a motion for judgment of acquittal and or new trial. File stamped on March 11, 2019. Furthermore, I was given this incompetent court attorney, court-appointed attorney, Hichigitomi, who prepared my defense with me only 19 days before my trial. 19 days he worked on my case. Now this kangaroo court is giving me a life sentence for me trying to protect and defend myself against the attack from three guys. In essence, treating me like a black man. And today, the reason why I'm like this is because I prepared myself to play my part in your kangaroo court, treating me like a black man, so today I'm going to be a black man. Do you want to say anything further, Mr. Char? Mm, that's about it, I guess, for now. Oh, also, um, I asked this kangaroo court to put a stay on my sentencing, pending my appeals, and who's going to do my appeals? All right.